Good morning, everyone. Um, the first reading that we hear um, from Isaiah is more along the lines of a poem uh, or a hymn uh, that is being spoken about. And this first part of the poem was written after the return uh, from an exile from Babylonia. So the Israelites were in captivity, and this is now they're in freedom. And it paints a very glowing picture of the blessings of God uh, that will be bestowed on Jerusalem and all of its inhabitants. And it likens Jerusalem, if you will, to, um, uh, as we heard, uh, a mom taking care of them lovingly. It foreshadows the blessings that will result for us uh, for the coming of the kingdom of God when Jesus arrives. So remember, that's Old Testament looking forward. And in the New Testament, we look back to see where uh, this was foreshadowed by that. Everyone's with the Synoptic Gospels. Um, all of them have the sending forth of the 12 apostles, but only Luke has a second sending out. And uh, we're told there are 72 of them. The second sending out is certainly about, uh, as Jesus said, the harvest is huge. So ask for more laborers to go out. And because... Uh, Jesus couldn't do it. Jesus of Nazareth couldn't do it by himself. That's why he had the 12 apostles, and then in Luke's gospel, 72 others. And it also foreshadows the preaching of the gospel to all the nations. Um, and this was definitely a theme of Luke. And uh, so the mission of the disciples was an extension of Jesus' own mission in understanding his instructions to them. Uh, we must remember that this was only a temporary mission for them. And uh, it was going to be of short duration for them. And uh, uh, they were to go to the towns and nations that were known. My friends, first I want to just kind of quickly, um, when Jesus sent out the 72, um, people sometimes get caught up in numerology in 72. So um, if you want a, a glimpse of why this was why this number is probably being used, I'm going to ask you, I could tell you, Exactly, but I'm going to tell you where you can find the answer. The answer is found in Genesis 10, and there, uh, there is Noah and his clan. And then if you go to Numbers, chapter 11, 16, uh, there is an account of Moses, and you will see uh, why this number is being used. Can I tell you? Yes. Will I? No. Because I want you to open the Bible. I want you to actually look and read for yourselves. Unlike that reading the poem of the first one that the mama takes care, I'm going to be dead until you do it. <laughs> Open it up and read for yourself and see. So my friends, uh, Jesus sends out the 72, and he's, the first words uh, on entering the house was, peace to this house. And my friends, the peace that Jesus is talking about uh, is not the peace... Um, they were to be bearers of good news uh, without any doubt, and they were to be ambassadors uh, on, be on his behalf. And I'm going to show you in the scriptures where Paul talks about this. And this peace is very important uh, because without it, uh, the things that Jesus would ask would become almost impossible. Uh, based on this gospel reading, we can put forth that each of the disciples of Christ is to be an inst instrument of peace and reconciliation in a troubled and divided society. I'm talking, you may not, I'm kind of ours, but I'm talking about when it was written. 
And the true peace should be understood simply uh, not as just absence of war. Uh, that is not the peace. That is not the word being used. The word being used is closely associated to a word I taught you several years ago, hased. Hased is a covenantal type of love. And in hased, uh, the action is reconciliation. Why did Jesus come in the first place? To reconcile us. So if we are going out on his behalf, what is going to be important? The reconciliation. So the peace that he's talking about is this very peace. Reconciliation, friendship, and trust. And uh, so this is the true type of peace that uh, he's talking about. It implies goodwill. It does imply patience. It implies tolerance. It implies hospitality. It implies reconciliation and even friendship. True peace can and will put suspicion and fear and prejudice and bigotry at bay, which were all problems in the Old Testament time. They were problems in Jesus' time, and they are problems in our time. Working towards peace means we do, uh, do so with people close to us, those who annoy us, I call them sandpaper people, and those that disagree with us which right now is a lot, meaning the Catholic Church. The people we need to make, we need to make peace with usually are those uh, that often are deemed enemies. Uh, and I don't know if that classification is really proper. My friends, when we come to Mass, we come to give God glory and praise and to receive grace and blessings from the Lord so that you can just be happy Mm. No, not just be happy, so that we can be his disciples and go out into the world. If we took nothing else away from uh, Mass but peace, that would still be time well spent here. But I am confident that each of you take more than just peace as you enter into Mass and as you are sent out after Mass. That being said, all of us must be prepared to give back something of what we have received. At the end of Mass, the priest, in this case, or a deacon, uh, will end the Mass by saying, there's a number of uh, salutations, but one of them is, go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your lives. You'll hear me say that today. And this is decidedly different from when, uh, I know we're in a holiday weekend, you'll go in gatherings, and you certainly don't say that there, do you? A lot of times they say, see ya, bye, wouldn't want to be a God I was here. <laughs> so the sending at Mass is completely different, not the same as if you were entering just a party. With Mass, we are sent out as ambassadors of peace to others. And if we wish to be effective messengers then of peace, three things are necessary. But my friends, um, just in case you're wondering, uh, Father, are you sure about that ambassador? Yes, I am sure about that ambassador. I am going to the second book of Corinthians, looking at uh, chapter 5. And there... He says, Paul, so whoever is in Christ is a new creation. This is part of what he's talking about in that second reading. He's talking about humility, but he's also talking about that all of us who are baptized are baptized in something. You know, if you didn't catch it, he said, circumcision and uncircumcision means nothing now. Why? Because there was a division between Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians. Remember, there was a fight, such a fight that Paul and Peter would have to get together and try and discuss this. And they would in the Council of Jerusalem eventually. Uh, 
So we have to be new and different. And Paul's like, stop getting hung up on that stuff. But he said, you are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And all of this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, God was reconciling the world to himself in his son Christ, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ as if God were appealing through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled with God and to do the same. Second Corinthians. So we are, you and I who are baptized, are to be ambassadors uh, for Christ and to do this, even in the midst of hostility. And of late, there is a lot of hostility towards Christians, in particular, the Catholic Church. And apparently, uh, that was going on back then, too. You know, Paul says, basically, stop harassing me. <laughs> stop, stop, you know, persecuting me. And uh, my friends, Jesus told us this was going to happen, so we shouldn't be all that shocked by that. But he also, in that very gospel, tells us how to go about handling it. And I'll get to that in a moment. And so, my friends, uh, um, we are to be these messengers, ambassadors for Christ. And uh, um, if we are to be effective messengers of peace, three things are necessary. First, we have to have peace ourselves. Secondly, we have to be willing to share that peace with others, even those who you do not like. And thirdly, the other person has to be willing to receive it uh, from us. In truth, the opportunities for sharing this type of peace, uh, for making peace, are many, and they happen often. We may not always succeed, and I think that's part of what Jesus was getting at. Um, he was trying to combat the disappointment or discouragement that may happen uh, when we fail. I mean, even Jesus couldn't convince all of the Pharisees and scribes. And he let them walk away. He didn't hate on them. I suppose he might have been a little bit discouraged in his human heart. The danger is that we will allow people to take our peace from us. And right now in this time in our country, don't let that happen. Don't let someone steal your peace from you. Keep it. Hold it. Let it be an anchor also for you. The danger is that we will allow someone to rob us of this. And this happens whenever we become very angry, very hostile, very bitter, and very vengeful, or even deeply disappointed when others do not respond favorably to the message of Jesus Christ. It happened in Jesus' time. The apostles encountered it. Paul, certainly, he got beatings all the time from it. We have to understand that peace offer will not always be accepted. But Jesus said, don't worry about it. If you offer this peace and they don't want it, it doesn't go away. It comes back to you. He says, it will come back as a blessing upon you. But no matter what, you are to offer it. And my friends of late, and especially these past three years, I can tell you, um, it's been pretty hostile towards priests of the church, of the Catholic church, and in general, just people just indifferent and angry 
and especially these <laughs> past couple of weeks. And sometimes when you try to offer peace, all you hear is an echo of your own voice. I wish you peace, 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 peace. And no one's responding back. But we must always try. That is one of the points Jesus is getting at. You must do this. Paul said, you must do this. In a world torn apart by anger and hatred and indifference, we have a challenging call as disciples of Christ, as his ambassadors, to be living signs of his love, of his reconciliation, of his peace that can, with our Lord's grace, bridge divisions and heal wounds. People can live and survive through great hardships and catastrophes, yet perish or be destroyed from hard feelings and bitterness and resentment due to lack of true peace. So my friends, in this time when, in particular, with Christianity and with our church, when there is just so much hostility, we are to walk in peace and holiness. And it can be very, very difficult. Absolutely. And like I said, for the past three years in particular, I've been a priest 14 years now, the past three years, it has been difficult. And not only from the outside, but from within. And when Jesus says, I'm sending you out uh, as lambs to the wolves, he wasn't just talking about those that are on the other side of Jerusalem. He's talking about the ones that were inside. For even in his inner circle was Judas. And that is just how Satan operates. So, the one thing that we must do is unite. Because Satan loves the division. He loves to divide. So we have to avoid this. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about within the church itself. My friends, and you know, clearly uh, there were problems in the early church. When I was, when you look at the reading, uh, Jesus said, "Now, when you go to the town, eat what is put in front of you." Do you know why he said that? Now, remember, the gospel was written after he's resurrected from the dead. There was a fight amongst the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians. The Jewish Christians wouldn't even touch a pig. The Gentiles had barbecue. <laughs> and it was a fight. So he says, wherever you go, if you go into a house and they offer you barbecue ribs, you eat it. Now, I might take offense at Brussels sprouts. Because <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> don't like them at all. But everything else. But you see... Jesus is saying, as St. Paul, get over those little details. I'm not talking about the big ones. These are just insignificant ones. Move past it. And then for our times as well as for theirs, Jesus gave us the remedy. If you encounter the hostility, just shake it off. Get up and walk away. He said, move on. Just move on. Because disappointment and discouragement is the enemy of a Christian. Because it will put you in a place that you do not want to be. Certainly despair about things. Discouragement. And worse, apathy. Well, I tried and I can't do anything. I'm just not doing anything anymore. That's not what Jesus said. He said, shake the dust off. And move on to Tacoma. <laughs> and if it doesn't work there, move on to Puyallup. 
Maybe Olympia. <laughs> but you see, um, keep that peace within. And I know it's difficult. It's extremely difficult. Um, my friends, uh, I'll let you go to the scriptures to find out the 72. But I will say this about the 72. I believe um, the 72 is us. There wasn't enough apostles, and there isn't enough priests. As a matter of fact, I worry, I don't, I'm not losing any sleep, but um, I wonder if one day I'm going to be like a unicorn <laughs> that you don't see too often anymore, or they do exist, right, the priests? And we need the priesthood. The ministerial of priesthood in the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox is essential. But obviously what also is essential is Jesus did it by Luke's account. He chose 72 others. The thing we, about them is we don't know their names. We don't know where they came from. We don't know exactly where they went. But if you go and read those gospel passages I told you about, those uh, scriptures in the Old Testament, you'll get an idea. And then we never hear about them again. I believe it's us. It's you guys. You have to be those ambassadors. There's just not enough of us. As a matter of fact, um, and this is not to alarm you, but um, there is reorganization going on throughout the United States when it comes to the Catholic Church and parishes. There are not enough priests. So already in Detroit and Chicago and Philadelphia and Boston, the reorganizations are happening and churches are being sold. And they're not calling them clusters. They're calling them families where one priest will be operating as a pastor for four or five parishes. And the parish names change to become one. You can get angry. You can get hurt. Or we can do something. Stand up and start being disciples. The lay ministry is needed. It has always been there. Francis is approaching it from a different way, and he's the Pope, and I'm going to let him do that. But since I've been your pastor for almost eight years, I've been trying to get you to live as disciples of Jesus Christ. Every day, day and out, breathing it in, breathing it out. Not just sitting in the pew, and I'm a good disciple. You need to be a good disciple. You need to be his ambassador out there. And the type of ambassador matters also. Nobody likes a bitter Christian. <laughs> I don't think Paul liked a bitter Christian. <laughs> Jesus doesn't like a bitter Christian. Mary doesn't like a bitter Christian. That's why we have to have peace in our hearts and when we approach. And if we encounter the hostility, what did Luke's gospel say? Shake it off and move on. But um, Friends, the archdiocese is not going to be exempt from this. It has already begun here. All you have to do is go to the archbishop's website, and you will see Tacoma is already beginning uh, what we, you would know as a cluster, but it's going to be called family, a family of parishes. And a lot of times the names of the churches change to become one. It's already happening even more further south just before. Uh, this is the reality. There's not enough of the ordained. It's just not enough. And we can't do it all. This is why Jesus had the 72. This is why he has you also. So pray about it. Don't get angry. Don't get upset. Don't be in despair. Just do. We do something, okay? 
All right, so that's my pep talk for you on that. Because you'll, you'll begin to read it, you'll see, and people are already angry. I'm like, all right, then funnel that anger to do something, not just be angry. Jeez, <laughs> funnel it. Learn how to control it and focus it. And um, I'm not worried Jesus is always in control, but um, all of us, all of you, all of you, the disciples are going to have to come together, be united, and begin to stand up and to begin to take roles over. Uh, okay? All right, is that enough? Okay. <laughs> At least for today. <laughs> My friends, really quick about the gospel. No, no, no. Remember? No, don't take this. No, don't do that. No, no, no. And they still went. Even though someone said no, Jesus, they still did it. And then there was the next group is yes, yes, yes. Yes, eat, eat, eat. Then there was peace. And if they don't want it, shake it off. And then the final, they came back filled with joy. That is for us too. For Father Mark, it was no, no, no. No wife, no children. No goldfish. <laughs> no, the Archbishop didn't say that. Uh, and I still said yes. That was the amazing thing. Those 72 still said yes when Jesus said, you will not do this or this or this. And then you will do this and this and this. And there will be peace. And if not, shake it off. And they all came back filled with joy. And then Jesus corrected them. Now let your joy be because your name is in heaven, not because you did something else. Amen? <laughs>